0: I cannot wait to see you. And it's
1: not my fault not where I was not how I dress. And it's not my
0: fault not where I was not how I dress. And the rapist was you. Recognize that chant. It's the English version of the anti-rape anthem by Chilean activists that went viral. This version is by a flash mob of more than 100 women performing outside of the New York City courthouse where Harvey Weinstein will be tried for rape at the front of that pack of women was nalini stamp she's the co-founder of the resistance revival chorus and dream defenders and one of the leaders of the working family party nalini is that woman who inspired us to ask how does she do it all she's here so let's find out nalina nice to meet you off the
1: twitter thank you yeah nice to meet you too <laughs> thank
0: you for having me alicia i'm very excited amazing um What did it feel like to stand outside of that courthouse and then outside of a Trump building and say
1: those words? It felt cathartic. I mean, I didn't really. I've done a lot of actions over the last decade, mm-hmm. and sometimes you feel you're excited about making the impact. You're excited about engaging in it, but sometimes you're like, "Well, I've done this a lot, and there was something different um, that happened to me." Being a um, a survivor in my own right, um, being t- being able to point and say, you know. At, Un violador tu, like the violators you, like you are the rapist, like um it was so powerful. Um and the fact that especially when we were doing it in front of uh the Weinstein trial you know, you had the judges, you had the courts, you had their, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, the story is and the and the song goes, you know, it's it's the courts, it's the judges, it's the cops, like, it's the system, right? right. And to say that and to, to be there with all of those things was just so, so powerful. And then to ride the train, we actually had a woman, we did it on the train as well. And there was an elderly woman who was sitting down and started to cry. Um, and I just, she was right in front of me. And I just swelled up with all of these emotions, because I could just only think of what she was thinking Mm. as a woman watching all of these women on the subway, just packing the subway and, 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 and chanting this and saying it's not my fault.
0: The fault wasn't mine, not where I was, not how I dressed. You are the rapist.
1: Where in your own life do these words resonate? I was... Assaulted, and it was one of those things when I was younger. um, I was about 19 years old in a club, one of those teen clubs in New York. um, That and my for for days later, people were like, oh, well, you were drunk or oh, you were this. Like it wasn't I, I was trying to figure out what happened. Um, and because I did have a fuzzy memory, I was making all of these excuses. I was going back and saying, well, what did I wear? Um, or was I inviting or was I? But at the end of the day, like I said, no, I remember that clearly. And it doesn't matter how where I was, where I was dressed, like the fact is, is that people should not be committing rape um, or assault on women, and it also happens to men as well. But this is this, you know, the violator in your, the, the rapist in your path, is it just it just it just resonates so well because it's mm. it's in the path. It's not that anybody does anything to deserve this.
0: Also, at the front of that group of women were two other Latina to Latina guests, Natalie Molina Nino paula mendoza how did this action come together
1: yeah um so um uh some of us paula mendoza um is one of also the other co-founders of the Resistance survival chorus we were were she's the one who put you on my radar yeah she's great i love i love her so much um and, you know, a bunch of us were talking about, we were, when we saw a La Tesis, um the Chilean, you know, feminist group, and we saw it going, happening everywhere. Like, I saw it from my European comrades who I, I, I organized with. Just It just blew up all over the place. And I just remember crying, watching the videos of how powerful it was to see people all over Latin America, people in, a, you know, all over the world just say, like, this is a problem. It's it's not just the flash pan of me too. It's not just the, you know, these big moments that have a lot of um, shine on it. It's happening every day and people are really suffering. And... Um, you know, Paula was like, we should do this. And I've got some people who who, who um, um, to talk to about. And I, you know, Hiyara, who is also one of the other, um, who like helped with the choreography, helped translate it with Paula was like, oh, I would love to do this. And I've got some more women. And then Sarah Sophie Flicker, another one of our co-founders of, of, of the chorus, was like, we should do this out of the Weinstein trial. But we wanted to be respectful to the silence breakers, to, the pe- to actually the people who are most impacted, not make anything that. We did to interfere with getting justice.
0: You call yourself a rebel rouser. <laughs> Where does that show up in your life outside of protests?
1: It shows up in a lot of. I grew up. I grew up in in New York City, in Brooklyn, in Staten Island, New York. Um, which explains a lot, to be honest. About um, I have both, you know, Biggie and the Wu Tang in me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> just gotta represent. Like there were just certain things, um, all all of my life, and and especially and especially with my family too. I'd be like, why do why do we do these normal? Thi-? Well, not normal things, but what is this traditional thing that we're doing? And I think it was just like the way I was raised. Like I I have I have two moms. Um, that was really hard for a very Catholic Puerto Rican family to go through when my mother came out, um, when I was a kid. Um, and just, like, I think the notion of not living that traditional lifestyle when it was starting to break in the United Mm -hmm. States, like, it just made me a natural rabble rouser, like, (laughs) I would go in school and be like, my mom's a lesbian. People are like, don't talk about that. Or I would say thespian because I, that's what I thought it meant because I had a list. So, <laughs> sorry, that's my snort. Um, and so I would be like, she's a thespian. Um, so I feel like it was just always, I was always that kind of like, in a sense, a, a fire starter. Um, whether it be like bucking traditional norms or kind of standing up for stuff. But that, that isn't super political. What
0: do you pinpoint as the beginning of your political consciousness?
1: I'll say it's like two moments, and they're very intertwined, was uh, one time my cousin jumped the subway, actually right around here um, at the 42nd Street station, and the cops, and I saw the cops just like tackle him and beat him up, and didn't realize that he had like a baby cousin with him. That was, like, I mean, I was like six, so I saw it. And I just was freaking out for a really long time, but I just... A moment there was just like, don't trust these people. Like, just don't trust the cops, right? And then the other moment was um, September 11th. It was my th- fourth day of high school. Um, and just, it was September 11th and the aftermath of it because I just remember seeing a lot of my Muslim, Arab, Sikh. You name it, friends that would just get stereotyped as one entity, scared for their lives. Um, And my family being very much like, this is terrible. What happened? I mean, Staten Island, we lost the most people. And so people, I remember going home after a few days because we couldn't, you know, bridges and the ferry was closed. And people being like, where's my dad? Where's my mom? You know? Firefighters and cops, and also just how easily we went to war after we went all of these things. And I remember the first my first actual action was leaving leaving school and protesting the Iraq war. And so that was a huge just, just growing up and, and being there in that moment and just that kind of post September eleventh was like a super political, transformative thing for me.
0: Two thousand four, you wouldn't have even been 18 yet.
1: Mm-mm. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: But you're registering people to vote. Yes. Why did that feel important in that moment?
1: I mean, there was a moment of I I felt really hope like hopeless. Like I couldn't. I wasn't 18, so I couldn't vote myself. It was. I have my cousin was signing up for the National Guard, and I was nervous that. I mean, he ended up being deployed at this point. My cousin was deployed a, a few times, but at that point, not yet. Right, and I was just scared of like somebody who's just like a little bit older than me, who I look up to going and getting murdered getting killed killing others the war was just it was really ugly. And, and for me, registering people was a way to get civically involved, but also to to say that, like, this is for my future, too, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is for, you know, I'm just 17 years old. Like, I want to see change and a difference. So please register and vote for me. <laughs> so it was also like a, a cry for help um, to others. And it felt really empowering to do that. You
0: drop out of high school. Mm-hmm. Why?
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of things. So I dropped out of high school in, two thousand. well, officially, legally, by record, I think it's like 2006 or I think. Um, um, but I stopped going to school uh, my senior year. And part of it was um, after we got the financial aid, right? Like after we got uh, FAFSA that said, you are not going to get financial aid. As part of your application As to As part college. of the application to college, right? So applying to college, you you go through the financial aid process. You look, at, you look at things. And I really wanted to go to a school that had musical theater. I auditioned. I went on a bu- bunch of auditions. But when we got our financial le- aid letter back, I just, there's something clicked. Like something shut off. I believe that was like a moment that I lost a lot of hope in my future. I was a young uh, teenager that didn't have the help that I needed.
0: The way your story is often written, it contextualizes what you've experienced personally, things like the eviction, in the context of a larger global moment that was happening, that it happens in tandem with the financial crisis. When did you realize that what you were experiencing was not an anomaly?
1: One was like, the message of hope and change from Obama, I remember being being very inspired by it. This is two years after I dropped out, but I got my GED finally in 2008, which was, I was like really excited. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to school. And I remember my gra- my grandfather wrote me like a, a down payment check of $1,000. He was like, now you got to get the rest on your own loans. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the bank. Um, and when I went to the bank, uh, they were like, Oh, we're not giving loans out anymore. This is like mid this is July of 2008, like July, July, August, I believe. Um and I was a summer camp counselor, so I didn't have every like day to go back and forth to the bank. But I remember being like mm, something's fishy here, and then when the banks crashed, I just clearly like that day, the the news, the media, everything, I was like, "Oh, this is, like, this is the bigger picture. Mm. Like, this is the bigger picture. And when—and I am the type of person that, like, w- w- I don't just, like—I I then have to be obsessed about it. So then, like, you know, I was, like, doing the Google Holes before they were probably Google Holes. I <laughs> just, like, you know, like, going through and— um And I did that and was just like, wait a second, these banks were doing this? They were doing that? Like, they were, you know, giving loans to people who, like, they were giving predatory loans to people that couldn't have, so I started to learn all of the stuff. And that's where it really kind of, like, tied together to me. And as I got deeper and deeper into politics and deeper and deeper into, like, seeing what was happening, I kept on looking, like, actually reading about stuff and was like, oh, this is all systemic.
0: There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Pampers, Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight, and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the elephant and Freddy the duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club.
1: Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast.
0: When it comes to fertility, lots of us have been told, just wait and see. But now we have tools to help us plan and track everything, our finances, our steps. Why is this one thing still wait and see? That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159, and you get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com Latina, you can get $20 off your test. Plus, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can use that money on Modern Fertility. You'll get insights into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and any reproductive red flags. The results go in-depth into what every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results, and options for next steps. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com Latina. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash Latina. Modernfertility.com slash Latina. How- then do you become involved with Occupy Wall Street?
1: Yeah. Whew. I didn't really get political on anything. And I found an ad on Craigslist that was like, be a part of this like moment of hope and change and all of this stuff. And I walk into the Working Families Party office and I went, why does this place look really familiar? I like was looking online for ads, I mean, for, for anything to help with the Obama campaign, and I found an online ad in Craigslist. And it brought me to the Working Families Party office, like a few days later. But walked in, and they were like, "You're gonna go canvass for, or you're gonna go knock on doors, knocking on doors, which is canvassing. That's what we call it, for <laughs> Brian X Foley for State Senate in Long Island." And I was like, "Excuse me, I came here to work for Obama." Like I was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <"Ex-> pardon me. <laughs> um, I was 100% that. Um, <laughs> and so I kind of, and they were like, okay, whatever, kid. <laughs> like, And just like, you get in this car, drive to Long Island. And the experience of knocking on doors changed my life. It was just, I was like, you're struggling too? And so that was another moment of connecting it to like, that it wasn't—that there's, like, the systemic problem, but that also a bunch of people are suffering. And it's not just—I had for so long in high school and just convinced myself it was me against the world instead of so actually talk to people that were all struggling for a variety—things that I had never even heard of before, right? Like, that I would I, I was lucky enough to always have health insurance. The people who, you know, I would talk to that had were struggling with health insurance— Just across the board, right? Folks with different abilities and ability needs, and just not getting what they needed. And I was like, "Oh, I was like, all right, I don't care if I'm canvassing for Obama or Brian X Foley for state senate. Like this place is messed up, and we got to do something about it." (laughs) That's when I was like, "This is the place that I'm going to be." A working families party. My best friends now, Mary, uh, was like, "Hey." do you want to come to these general assemblies on Friday afternoons? And I was like, what time? They were like, three o'clock. We're going to talk about occupying Wall Street. And I was like, (laughs) no. (laughs) I remember just like completely dismissing the idea. I was like, you're going to occupy what? Like, all right, cool. And then I would go to these meetings and people were talking about like anarchism and socialism. And I was kind of like, this is a lot. I didn't go to college. I don't know what you're talking about. I do know that, like, this country's messed up. But, like, so I was, like, feeling it out. And, again, <clears throat> the night of—I went to the day. I actually missed the whole—the um, the morning, the actual first march. I got that when I got there, they had already—we had already been at um, what we call Liberty Square, but Zuccotti Park and— uh I remember being like, all right, this is cool. But people were like just sitting around, lounging around. But that that evening, there is something that really special happened, which was, one, it was the first time the mic check was used because we couldn't use amplified sound. We The permit um, ended at like 7 p.m. or something like that or s- sometime at night. And so there was a mic check. And I just remember being like, there's something that, and which is why I love being a part of the chorus, there's something that doing something in unison that is beyond just like arguing or debating or taking action. Like there's something deep within me that like it gets triggered. And I just remember it was so beautiful moment and everybody stood up and they were telling their stories about why they were there. And I was like, that's it. I'm in. I'm just in. Every time people get to tell their stories and it's really powerful. I just, I'm a sucker for it, but it's, it's what moves people. And I just remember being like, yep this is the movement. Let's go. I like volunteered for outreach coordinator for something that I had no idea what we were going to do, <laughs> but it was just, and just became a like in the movement so deep. But I do remember going through the streets on Broadway, like, you know, traffic goes down, we're going North, like traffic is going South. We're going North and saying, like, we are the 99%, and, like, and so are you, and so are you, and people leaning out of their windows, people, like, leaning out of their taxis and being, like, yes, and I just, like, it felt like a movie, like, I was just, and also our, you know, it's New York City downtown, so your voices echo really powerfully, and I just remember in that moment, like, I remember what I remember what outfit I was wearing. I was wearing, like, I don't know why I was wearing a skirt, but I was wearing a skirt and a tank top and combat boots because I always had to wear the combat boots because you didn't want your feet to get run over by the by the uh, scooters, the cop scooters. And, like, I just remember just seeing people, people, people's reaction, like people who were just watching or in the stores or wherever, you know, wherever they were on Broadway, where they were in their apartments, where they were in a store, like people just watching us and some people being like, What is? Who are these kids? And then some people being like, you could see it in their 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 faces. Was like, thank you. And the memory of just that that it just it sounded like a stadium, and it was like, even though it was like probably a thousand of us, but it sounded like a stadium. And I was like, revolution's coming. That's what I thought.
0: (laughs) Draw a line for me from your work with Occupy to your co-founding Dream Defenders. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I mean the part of what happened during occupy wall street is that it opened up a lot of people in movement to uh police brutality to um uh racial justice as well because people a lot of people were talking about economic justice and then there was a group of folks who were just like it's racial and economic like let's not just let's not forget racial justice somebody from an organization called me and was like Hey, can you train these like um, these kids in Florida to um go and do a direct action around George Zimmerman? I was like, wait, what? It's like what's happening? Like, wait, and let's also just break it down yeah, what yeah. a
0: direct action is.
1: Oh yeah, totally. So a direct action is when you similar to um when you take physical action, um, and that could be there's like Thousands of ways to do it, right? Thousands of tactics. But when you take physical action to either protest, you can protest a legislation, protest um, an unjust law, protest something that happened that was unjust. And so a protest, like a protest where you march, can be a direct action. A a thing where you block an intersection of the street can be a direct action. And what makes an effective direct action? What makes an effective direction in my, direct action in my mind is when you know your target, you know where you want your outcome to be, and your direct action moves you from, moves the target to get to your outcome, right? There's that type of direct action. There's two actually. So there's one that actually moves you closer to getting your outcome. And there's another direct action tactic that moves the public to have more empathy or moves the public um moves people who maybe were not participating allies to be participating in your action or in your campaign and we in the summer did a we we're doing a big march mobilization to Bloomberg's house and when he was at the time the mayor um to end stop and frisk and so people had heard about that work and called me and said hey there are these you know I, i'm sure you heard of George Zimmerman murdering Trayvon Martin and he hasn't been arrested There is a group of students and alumni of some of the state schools, like FSU, Florida State University, and FAMU. And they want to do an action. Um, They want to march 40 miles uh, from Daytona to Sanford and shut down the police precinct to make sure that Zimmerman gets arrested. And I was like, all right. (laughs) And I went down to Florida and helped them train them to do a direct action, train them in the safety of like, okay, if you're blockading, how your body can be so that if cop, like cops have particular ways of pulling apart people just to make sure that they were okay in their bodies and to show solidarity and during those those three days, all of the people on the march were like, we should turn this into an organization. Like, we were like, what if we could be the new SNCC? I remember that was definitely something that we said, it's Student Nonviolent, non-violent co- Coordinating, co- coordinating co- committee. committee. Like, what if we could be this new, like, youth civil rights organization? And that's what brought me. And then two months, I moved down to to Miami and spent a good seven months ha- helping build um, the Dream Defenders.
0: You've dedicated your life to this movement, your young life. I'm sure you will have many lives after Mm -hmm. this. How can our listeners affect change, whatever type of change they want to see where they
1: are? People think that you need like an organization or a movement to to affect change. And um, the thing is, is that people are organized wherever they are, like You probably have for those folks who have kids in daycare, you have other parents that you are with a daycare community, Um, whether you're um, you have a job that you have your colleagues with, Um, whether it's a parent group, maybe your students and you you're in a club in college. Right. We're all organized in some sort of way. And in terms of how like how to affect change, it's like whether it's you know, you want to stop sign on your block or you want to, um, you know, get someone elected or create a different legislation or pass a legislation, it starts with knowing what you want and getting a group of people together to get it done. And you don't need to be doing this for however long people have been doing it. People know how to advocate for themselves. We advocate for ourselves every day, um, whether it be sometimes we advocate for our salaries. Sometimes we advocate for us at the doctor's office. Like we advocate and just taking that and understanding that you can do it with your community and making it happen together.
0: Thank you as always for joining us. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Kalintigua williams and me, Alicia Menendez. Cedric Wilson is our mixer. Emma Forbes is our assistant producer. We love hearing from you. We really do. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. And please leave a review. It is one of the quickest ways to help us grow as a community. Finally, be sure to follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. We're at Latina to Latina.